0: Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. So we're going to get into part three now of the First Love series. And so you know, we will be taking a break. We're not done this series. There is way too much to cover still. Uh, way too much to cover. We haven't even gotten into uh, things like fire killers, like what kills the fire in our heart and how to deal with those. Uh, the person of Jesus, seeing him for who he really is, because that's a huge part about building uh, first love. Also another big part, uh, you, you think about um, he, Jesus says, those who've been forgiven much love much. Uh, actually understanding the condition of our human heart, seeing us the way we really are in reflection to who God really is. There's so much we've got to get into. Uh, we're just not there yet. So then that's okay. So we'll take a short break. We have a guest speaker coming next week, and that is Pastor Chris Pewatch. That'll be very exciting. Yep, it'll be very, very exciting. So I'm looking forward to being challenged there. Then we have Father's Day, <clears throat> and then we'll kick right back into it. And uh, that's the beautiful thing about series. We don't have to do them all in one shot. We can kind of take little breaks here and there and uh, keep doing it, because this is all couched in as, as a part of that larger series uh, from a cruise ship to the battleship, and, and that's not something we're going to get through and figure out in four messages. It's going to take us a journey. It's a journey of learning, but also doing. Learning, doing, engaging our hearts with God, and so on and so forth. So that's what we'll be doing. Um, very exciting, though, this weekend is Pentecost. Pentecost. This is a very, very very important uh, a weekend to us as Christians, as believers. Uh, if you're new here or if you're not a believer, uh, let me explain a little bit about what Pentecost is. Roughly 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus came onto the scene. He was the Son of God, and he lived a perfect life, lived and, and walked. He ministered by the power of the Holy Spirit. He got filled by the Holy Spirit, ministered by the power of the Holy Spirit, died for our sins, was raised back to life, ascended back to heaven, and then sent that same Holy Spirit that empowered him to live so wonderfully to all of those who would call upon his name, 2,000 years ago. So that was the first time it happened. It was pretty incredible. It inaugurated the new, co- the new covenant. It was, was inaugurated both in blood and spirit. So it's fascinating. It's it's a wonderful thing. So that's what we're celebrating today. And it's perfect for part three of first love because the Holy Spirit has a major role in creating first love and also a burning heart in our lives. Uh, A major role. So it's perfect. You know, you cannot love God without first being loved. We've talked about that. We love Him because He first loved us. Can we say that one together? We love Him because He first loved us. You remember the reference from last week? 1 John 4.19. Ah, it's close enough, right? We we got the verse. The reference, less impacting inside. The verse, very impacting in the heart, right? I love it. You guys are all good at uh, memorization. So we can't love without first being loved, all right? So that's very, very important. The anchor of the love that we receive is founded in the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the anchor of the love that's going to inspire us to love him back. It's that revelation. And we don't have time to fully expand on that one because we're going to look at another part of that. You can't access a full revelation of who Jesus is without the Holy Spirit revealing that to you. No one comes... To the Father, except through Jesus, yes, and no one, is, uh, no one has a revelation of the Son except through the Holy Spirit. John 6, uh, 16, 7 to 11 here. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. This is Jesus talking, by the way. Disciples are saying, Stay, you should stay. Why would you leave? Can you imagine walking? And we don't have time to go through that, but can you imagine being here, walking with Jesus for the time that He was here on the earth? None of us would want Him to leave. I mean, all of us are longing to spend an eternity with Him in heaven. Well, Jesus is saying to them, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world regarding, uh, concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Uh, three things. And those three we're not going to unpack today because I just want to focus on the Holy Spirit and fire. But that's another one we're going to get to at, an, at a later message. Uh, the purposes of that fire, what it does in our hearts. But without God. So first love And love for God cannot be worked up by human effort. This is something that we have to have revealed to us by the Holy Spirit, and we're going to look more at that at the end of the message, but this has to come from God. We're simply responding to to His work in our lives. That's what it's all about. So this week we're going to talk now the Holy Spirit and fire. Uh, when Jesus started his public ministry, so I'm going to go through a couple of passages of scripture here. So when Jesus is starting his public ministry around the age of 30, there's this other guy walking around at the same time, uh, his, his mother's actually, the mother's met, and his name is John, John the Baptist. Okay, so he's a wild character. Uh, he's wearing camel's hair clothing with a leather belt, and he's eating locusts and honey. He's a very interesting guy. I'm sure we would have loved him here, uh, especially in, in areas that are more known for being redneck. Uh, which I fit in well, right? Where's Irv? Is Irv in here? Yeah, Irv, <laughs> just bugging him. But anyways, we—he—he—he he, he was a rough and tough kind of guy, right? And he's wearing clothes. He's out in the wilderness, and he's—he's he's preparing the way of the Lord. And so, what he was wearing would have identified lots with the poorer class of 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 the people in the day, and also would have pointed people towards uh, the prophet Elijah. So, let's pick it up in Matthew. Here we go. Matthew three. And here we, oh, I had this on the wrong spot. There we go. This is what John is saying. So people are coming to him. He's baptizing people for repentance. He's preparing the way of the Lord. And he says this, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Right? So that, that was John speaking of Jesus who is coming and the Holy Spirit who he would be baptizing people with. And so, so that's, the, uh, that's the thing. And, and you look just barely shortly further. Uh, so John's already, he's preaching this to people, right? He's talking about Jesus that's coming. And then, right, I don't know if it's over the horizon or where, coming into his periphery now, Jesus actually marches onto the scene to be baptized by John. Can you imagine that? So he's just telling people, the one who's coming is mightier than me, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And John sees this guy, and now Jesus comes to him and wants uh, to be baptized himself. I guess I should, I did give you that one. All right. As he's preaching, so Matthew 3, 13 to 17. Oh, go back. Didn't mean to hit my button here. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so... Now, for thus is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, so he's water baptized first, and immediately he comes up from the water, and it says, behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him in the form of a dove and coming to rest on him. And then a voice from heaven booms out and says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Can you imagine being there at the river witnessing this? Right? And imagine being John. He must, that must have been such a, a wild thing, you know, experience to have. You're actually baptizing the Son of Man, the Son of God, and he recognized who he was. And then the Holy Spirit falls on him. So this is when Jesus begins his public ministry, and it's very important after he submits himself to the waters of baptism and being filled by the Holy Spirit, and that's a key. Because he didn't come down and just do everything because he was God. He tied, it says, he didn't hold on to to his divinity as something to cling to, but gave it up and took the position of a slave, right? So he came down here like us, like us, and so he needed the filling of the Holy Spirit to do the things that he did. And that is a very, very important point for us as we go forward. But we're we're going to fast-track forward just a little bit, because now he goes, and we're not going to go through Jesus' life and ministry and say all the things that he did by the power of the Holy Spirit, but he did lots. We've covered that in the Matthew series. He did miracle after miracle. He, he raised the dead to life, right? I mean, he gave sight to the blind. He freed the demon, the demon oppressed. And he did other wild things that people couldn't understand. He would go and eat. He would go into the house of sinners, and he would eat and drink with them. He would hang out with the refuse of the world. Sometimes we, we skip over that and we say, oh, you know, Jesus, friend of sinners. That, that's who He was. He, it actually rubbed a lot of the religious people the wrong way because he would hang out with people that they shouldn't, he shouldn't have been hanging out with. And I find that's really interesting. Obviously, he didn't compromise in any way, but that's Jesus. So he lives this incredible life, leads many. Crowds would follow him, and then he would sometimes say outlandish things, eventually leading him up to the place where he was crucified. He rose from the dead and ascended to heaven, right? So that's where we're going to pick this up, and we're going to pick up the story in the book of Acts. Okay, so Acts chapter 1. And I will put some of it on the screen, just not all of it. This is probably Luke writing, uh, although there's not full agreement on that. It's probably Luke based on a lot of the writing styles. But um, basically where it picks up in in verses 1 to 5 here, it says, In this book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles. By the way, isn't that interesting? Through the Holy Spirit, he gave those commands to the apostles. And then he says, uh, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days. So he was with them 40 days after he rose and speaking about the kingdom of heaven. And now, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So th- this is like, you can imagine what's going on in the disciples' you know, minds and hearts during this period of time, right? Because he just died. Your, ho- your hopes were dashed. He comes back to life. Your hopes are risen back. Maybe he'll come and conquer now. And now he's leaving again. Can you imagine sometimes you, when, you put your, when you put your heart or put your mind into the minds of the apostles and the disciples of the day, the, the yo-yo and the you know, the the roller coaster of emotions that they must have gone through in following Jesus. But now they know he is who he says he is. They know that. They know they can trust him. But he tells them to wait for this promise of the Holy Spirit not many days from now. They didn't know when it was going to hit. So now we pick up in Pentecost, and this is in Acts chapter 2. And Pentecost basically just means fifty. It was the celebration of the first fruits. So Israel had come out into the Promised Land, and the first fruits of the produce in the land of the Promised Land, uh, they celebrated every year as God's gift to them. Right? These were the first fruits in the land that God had given to His people. So that was the uh, festival of the first fruits. And there's also some scholars that that point back to another event that wasn't the origin of Pentecost, but was later on added and celebrated in, and it was also the giving of the law. Because there's three major feasts that they would celebrate every year. Passover, which just happened. Remember, then Jesus died on Passover. So there's Passover, which just happened, and the, and the pure, spotless lamb sacrificed his life. And now we go to the, the uh, festival of the first fruits, and then there was also the Fester, festival of tabernacles. Uh, but, anyways, back onto the first fruits. They also often celebrated the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. Okay, so paint the picture. Remember last week we were, you know, I had you close your eyes and you imagine this mountain and the glory of God is falling on the mountain, right? Remember that? We pictured that and there's thunder and lightning and Moses comes down and the people ended up building an idol. That part was bad, but he was, his face was shining because the glory of God was there, right? So that's another area. So that was when God started giving them the Mosaic covenant and and wrote the uh, Ten Commandments. So you pick it up here. We're on Pentecost now. This is a festival of first fruits. Uh, That's why there's so many people gathered. I, I counted from 18 different countries, right, that are all gathered in one place there for this celebration. Some probably stayed from Passover. Others also may have gone back and, and uh, arrived back in. But that's, that's the context. That's the, that's the table being set, right? So it's Pentecost already, and they're already celebrating. And now, look what happens in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost, yeah, So you can imagine, now there's, there's large crowds everywhere, and they talk about this being in the upper room. They figure the upper room was probably right around the temple because Peter's about to give a big sermon, and there was lots of people there. So they, it might be in the temple. We're not totally sure where it was. But anyways, you have large crowds from all over gathered to celebrate the festival of first fruits, right? That God brought them into the promised land, and some of them might have also been celebrating the, uh, the giving of the law, right? So the giving of the law. And now, you have tongues of fire. There's this sound like a rushing wind that's coming in there and everyone can hear it, like a rushing wind. And tongues of fire literally fall down. But instead of falling on a mountain, it spreads like this and lands on each one of the believers that are gathered together, praying together. The significance of this wouldn't have been lost on anybody. Right? The significance wouldn't have been lost. Like the, the understanding that the, that the Jewish people had of fire and God's presence, it often signified His power, right? But God's glory fell on the mountain and led Israel forward. Right, God's glory was given. God's presence, His power led them. Fire by day, right, uh, cloud by day, and fire by night. So we have that pillar, which is incredible. And now we have these tongues of fire that's coming and resting on each one of the believers, and this sound like a rushing wind. So a lot of them, it wouldn't have escaped them what happened on Mount Sinai, what some of them would have been thinking. But there's another thing that, w- that many of them would have thought about too, Ezekiel 36. And uh, Pastor Ray talked about that, right? Because it, it foretold of a time of a new covenant when God would give a new spirit and a new heart. And uh, here, I'm going to skip forward here. Look at this. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And right after that is in Ezekiel 37. Remember we've talked about that one. Ezekiel's brought out and sees all the dead bones. Son of man, can these bones live? Anyhow, God says yes, tells him to prophesy and it says, right, they came together but there was no breath in them. There was no spirit. So the Lord tells Ezekiel to prophesy to these bones, and as he prophesies, this wind comes from the four winds of heaven. This wind of God, the Spirit of God, comes and breathes into the slain that they may live, and it says, out of the ashes arises a vast army. This is a prophecy that they're all waiting to happen, and now what they see is they see fire and wind. So they're thinking Ezekiel, they're thinking Exodus, they're thinking Mount Sinai, they're thinking this, this prophecy. And that's where we pick up with Peter. And so you can just imagine what's going on in many of their hearts. And it actually says a lot of those that were gathered together were, were bewildered. Isn't that an interesting way to respond to that? They're bewildered. And it's what's, what I find fascinating is why they're bewildered. Because there's 18, uh, 18 nations there, they're bewildered because it's coming through the Gentiles. And that's just a quick point. I won't spend a lot of time on that. But they're bewildered because it's coming through these, uh, or sorry, through the uh, Galileans, right? Uh, It's coming through Galileans, which were looked down upon. And they had a weird speech thing, I guess, where they couldn't pronounce things properly. And here, there are these Galileans, these guys that are kind of looked down upon, and they're speaking clearly in 18 different languages, proclaiming the goodness of God and the good news. And everyone there knows there's no way these guys just picked up these languages and were able to speak so clearly and articulate the good news. And so they're bewildered. And Peter gets up now to deliver a powerful sermon about the Holy Spirit empowering them to know, right? So we're going to pick up right there. But before I actually read the the sermon, I want you to think about this because Peter's going to point us back to another prophecy that was just fulfilled, and that's in Joel at Pentecost. But remember who this Peter is right? If you're in your Bibles, we're in Acts. If you just go a little bit, a couple of pages back, you're going to find Jesus and Peter together. Actually, in my Bible, it's two pages. And you find Jesus and Peter together. Peter, back in, he's fishing again. And why is he fishing again? The one he loves more than anything The guy who he proclaimed, even if they, even to death, even if they kill you, I will die for you. When he was questioned at Jesus' trial, he wouldn't even be associated with Jesus. Remember that, Peter? This is the Peter. Now he's about to stand up and give this powerful sermon, right? Something shifted in Peter. But this is that peter and and you know you go two pages back and you have jesus meeting peter on the shore after he comes in from fishing and and instructing peter to feed his lambs and peter's shameful and the lord keeps asking him do you love me yes lord do you love me yes lord do you love me yes lord then feed my sheep but my question is for us in here like can you relate to peter have you ever committed i don't know how many people in, in here struggle with sin don't raise your hands actually you should all raise your hands but anyways that, that's not the point we all do but have you ever been stuck in sin where where you make these commitments both to god maybe it's to your spouse maybe it's to a friend maybe it's to yourself i will never do this again i will never give in to this again i will never give in to that temptation i will never look at this i will never say that i will never respond this way i will oh and then we have the always commitments <laughs> don't we break those in, uh, in marriage? I will always love you, no matter what, right? And we're like, well, at the deepest core level we do, <laughs> right? But maybe not in the emotional sense of, of how we're, you know, when we're standing up together, we make these commitments to each other. We've all broken commitments, we can relate to, to Peter on that. And sometimes we feel like our, when we break these commitments, you know, maybe if it's the first time, it's not so bad. But after the second or third or fourth or thousandth time, we, we break the same commitment. Often we get disheartened and we want to give up, just like Peter. And Jesus chases Peter down, which I, I just love, the pursuit, because he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. This is the same Jesus that knocks at the door of our heart. And he says, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, you can see the shame. And now after that whole time, now we pick up here and and he's telling Peter before he ascends. Now they spend time together and he tells Peter, wait now. Wait, you need the filling of the Holy Spirit. And after Peter received the filling of the Holy Spirit, remember, Jesus did the same thing. He got baptized, then filled with the Holy Spirit, then went and did ministry. Peter, before the Holy Spirit, couldn't even stay true to his friend. Walked away, left the ministry in shame after the filling of the Holy Spirit, he gets up and, and is a, he becomes this fiery, powerful preacher and ends up doing exactly what he had committed to early on in his life. He gives his life for his friend. And that's a wonderful thing. But this is the message that he, he preaches. I got to keep going here. And uh, here we go. There we go. This is right from Joel. And in the last days, And then he goes forward and says, and I will show wonders in the heavens and above uh, and, and signs on the earth below and blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter gets up and that's his address to everyone. And it gets much more detailed than that. He goes on, it's a very long sermon and powerful sermon because it leads then to a bunch of people repenting right there and giving their lives to Jesus. It's actually pretty incredible. But this is another uh, prophetic promise that was given in the Old Testament. Joel prophesied this would happen. Peter gets up and says, that sound you just heard, the tongues of fire, what just happened, Jesus dying, going to heaven, sending his spirit. This was to fulfill what, what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And there is so much gold. We could just spend so much time, even in here alone. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. There's a shift. Instead of the the glory of God resting on a mountain, resting on the people of Israel, it was now given as tongues of fire to anyone who would call upon the name of the Lord. We would all have access to that new spirit that would give us the desire and the power to obey, to fulfill the covenant that we had made with him incredible. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, right? Before it was just the the prophets were given that spirit of prophecy. Now it says your sons and daughters, the spirit of prophecy is actually part of what's given through the Holy Spirit to all who will call upon the name of the Lord. And then he continues on and says, your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. And that's an important piece too, because he was bringing equality, gender, age, right? Race, none of that stuff mattered anymore. The only thing that mattered, the only qualifier was those who call upon the name of the Lord would be saved, and they would receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. That is groundbreaking, and that's what Peter gets up and preaches. And then he talks about them crucifying Jesus, and, and a lot of them repent. But church, this is where I want to bring it home, because I actually, uh, today, I know often we, you know, we get to the end and we do a, a final song. Today, I actually want to take a, a good chunk of time for us to reflect and pray and also to, uh, to sing. And so I ask that when we get to that spot that you don't leave. But um, this we just read. Look at this. It shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Church, this is your inheritance. God put you here for such a time as this. You were, you're no accident being here in 2022 in Steinbeck. There's no accident. God placed you here. He has purpose for you. This is your inheritance. We're 2,000 years celebrating. 2,000 years later, the giving of the Holy Spirit, which, you know, Jesus' death, there was blood for forgiveness. There was spirit for power. All so that we could know God and live Him and, and, and live for him and obey him. This is your inheritance. We do not have to actually stay trapped as people of the flesh, stuck in our sins, enslaved to this world. That is a lie that I've seen way too many people giving into, even within the church, and I recognize it myself because it whispers to me as well. You'll never get over this. You don't have anything to offer. You sound familiar? You'll never get it right. Anyone in here hear those things inside sometimes? That's the whole point of the Holy Spirit Church. One of the points. (laughs) He also brings glory to himself and glory to the Father and Son. But for us personally, that's the whole point. You will always get it wrong. You don't have the power to obey, you don't have the power to love, you don't have the power to bear fruit. That is going to last. You don't have the power to save your kids. You don't have the power to save your spouse, to save your friend, your family member. You don't have that power. You don't even have the power to break free of your own bondages inside. That's what Pentecost means for us, that we were given power, the Holy Spirit himself to dwell in us, that we would have the power to both know him the one true God. That is eternal life. And to live for him and to follow him in obedience, that is an incredible inheritance that we've been given. It's the only way that we will live victorious, victorious lives. It's the only way we will conquer, conquer sin. It is the only way we are going to bear fruit for his kingdom. The only way. And it's the only way by which we'll be saved. He has to bring that revelation of conviction of sin to us and has to draw us into the Father. He has to. So, Another question for us. How many of us today are living by the power of the Holy Spirit? Don't hear me condemning anybody. I'm asking this question to you. I'm asking it to me today. How many of us am I living by the power of the Holy Spirit? Look what he did to give us this inheritance. Are we honoring that gift It says, those who repent will receive two things. Repent and believe, right? Repent and believe, receive two things. Forgiveness of the sins and the free gift of the Holy Spirit. Are we living by that Holy Spirit? You know, maybe you started off passionate. You started off really good. You were hungry for the word. Getting into this thing, hungry. Hungry, right? I mean, you just wanted to get in here and learn more. You, you started off and you were praying. You didn't know how to pray, but you mumbled words. There was something in you. You just talked to God. You didn't know what it looked like. You know, there was sin in your life. There was stuff that was holding you down, but you didn't know how you were going to break free, but God was worth it. Jesus was worth it. He was going to love you the way you were, where you're at. You were going to get up and turn from that sin as hard as humanly possible by the power of his spirit. That's who you were going to be. That's who you committed to be. And that's who you were. You were passionate for him. You loved. You got into worship and tears would sometimes stir down your face and streamed down your face. Maybe, maybe it wasn't tears on the outside, but it was a rendering of your heart on the inside where you felt drawn to him. You were drawn and, and slowly, you know, there was a, there's this childlike faith that was in you in the beginning and slowly but surely you grew up when we were instructed not to grow up, but to stay like kids. And now maybe you feel trapped by anxiety and worry feel dry and empty on the inside. Maybe you're stuck in sin. Maybe you're sitting here today and there's an addiction, a bondage that you've been in forever. You're not even telling anyone about it. Maybe there was a point in life where you were trying really hard and it finally just got too hard and you gave up. I'm done trying. I'm done feeling like a failure. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's a marriage that seems impossible. Maybe it's yourself that's impossible. I don't know. But whatever you're at now, it feels like it's a far cry, a distant cry from that childlike faith that longed to be with Jesus. Now, am I implying that the Holy Spirit's going to make your life easy? No. <laughs> Have you read this book and read about all the characters that were filled and led by his spirit? There's some pretty awesome things that happened and some really, really bad things that happened too. He led people to persecution. He led them even unto death. But then those same guys would say things like Paul, I counted all his loss. You'd find even the old prophets in the the Old Testament, Jeremiah, and he's like, oh Lord, you're sending me to, to prophesy again. Your prophecies, your words are so negative. It's judgment. They always treat me poorly. Sure enough, he goes in, obeys the Holy Spirit, ends up in a cistern by himself, right? I mean, I'm not promising easy. But is life easy? No. All of those that were spirit-led, I'll tell you what they did have. They knew God. They got to know God, the creator of all things, the one who formed you in your mother's womb. They got to know him by the power of that Holy Spirit. And they also were captivated by his love and lived fruitful lives. They glorified him with all their being. So, let's go to our last point here. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Let's read that together. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now stop. Who's this promise for? The promise is for who, church? Us. You, me. (laughs) However you want to read that. Make it personal. Let's say the promise is for me. The promise is for who? Me. Me. Look at that, it says, this is biblical. We're not adding and changing the word. We wouldn't do that. The promise is for you and for your children. Remember I said you can't save your children? You can't. They need to encounter the person of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the only one that saves. But you can partner with him. It's for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God will call to himself. Last week we talked about um, remember, we, we stopped and listened for what was that encounter? What was that thing? Like, what was that revelation of God or a verse or whatever it was that caused you at whatever age to, to bend the knee and submit your life to Jesus and become a Christian? Remember, we did, did that exercise and we wrote it down. You know, we did something at, uh, my, my, it was actually my dad or my, one of my parents, they're over there. It was one other idea. Anyhow, at lunch, we get together as a large family and, and uh, they said, why don't we share from that time where we wrote down that experience with God. And we didn't have time for everyone to share because we have a large family, but a whole bunch shared. And you know what I found really, really fascinating? Not a single person was there because of a man or a woman. Nobody in our family, and Luella, <laughs> uh, Austin's fiance, right? She was also there in sharing, which was amazing. But not a single person from the youngest to the oldest my 87 year old grandma granny are you in here granny hey granny love you It's my grandma not a single person was there because somebody convinced them to give their lives to jesus everybody there had a personal encounter through the power of the holy spirit and a revelation of jesus and i'm talking meeting you in different parts like where you're at the end of your rope even questioning if you want to live loss of child anxiety, insecurity, addiction, godless lifestyles, all sorts represented there, the worst of the worst. I mean, I was there too. And yet everyone was there because of the Holy Spirit and the work that he was doing in their life. And all they did was respond. That's all we did, was a response. So this is what we're gonna do. We're going to spend some time, and we have a chunk of time, so don't. This is not the end of the service, <laughs> so let's stay. If you got your journals, bring them out. If you don't, that's okay. If you want to use your phone, that's fine too. But we're going to do exactly what that verse says. Repent, and I'm going to ask that, the, that, that just be honest on the inside. Maybe it's lack of love, lack of dependence on the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's lack of a burning heart for Jesus that you want to repent of. Or maybe it's something else. Maybe you got something else that's weighing you down. And take the time. Why would you hold on to something that was paid for with blood, so that you didn't have to? And then we'll all do this quietly. <laughs> and then we're going to pray personally. Invite the Holy Spirit to fill you and, and give him control. Don't let wine. Con- uh, do not be drunk on wine, but rather. Give, your, give control over to the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're gonna do there. Then we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit to change our hearts and give us the desire, a, a desire for him and give us a burning heart. We can't work that up. He has to do it. And then we're gonna sing, release your spirit together. Sound good? So let's start engaging with him now. You can begin. Holy Spirit, we come before you and I just begin by confessing any any part of my life where I have not relied on you, where I've trusted in worry or fear or my own understanding or anxiety, and I haven't trusted in your power. And Lord, we recognize that's because we don't have a big enough revelation of who you are. If we did, fear would be so far from our hearts and minds. So today, Lord, we ask that you would reveal the things that are standing between us and you so that we can repent from those things. Then I ask that you would create a burning fire in us. Oh, breath of God. Oh, Holy Spirit. Would you fall on this place? Would you fill this place with your presence? All right. Respond to him softly or in your journals. team is going to come forward now and they're going to lead us and release your spirit. And don't feel like you have to stand right away and sing. Engage your heart. Don't waste the moment. Sometimes we're so quick to get on with our days. Let the Holy Spirit minister to your heart. And then when you want to respond back to him, then you can sing back in praise. Amen.